you know, it was an eight year triple net lease, 2% increases, uh, national corporate tenant. I knew the location, I knew the property. It's in the heart of the downtown and like jumped on it. It was like, I knew what to do with this thing. And we just popped into it, but it's, uh, it's, we bought it almost at a 10 cap year one. It's a 10 cap now. And the, the returns are cra- crazy. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam, AAA Adams, and today we have the honor of having Mr. Billy Brown right here on the podcast. Billy Brown has been in real estate since 2007. He's done house hacks with his wife. He's gone from single family all the way up to large commercial construction, syndications with apartment communities. He did a triple net lease with his 1031 exchange, which we're going to get into when we get into the final five. I'm looking forward to that. So, oh, yeah, and one, one other thing. Let's see. Real Estate Guys Radio Show. You've been on there. You're a, you're a regular contributor to the Real yeah. Estate Radios, guys. And they've got a great podcast, good friends of mine. Well, I'm happy to have you on the show, Mr. Billy Brown. Welcome. How's your day? Fantastic, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm really honored to be on your podcast. I felt like uh, it's great to connect and for our schedules to connect so we can go do this and hopefully add value to your listeners and, and uh, help encourage them in their in their journey in real estate investing. Awesome. So take me back to the first deal you ever did and just give me a little history on that one deal. What was going on through your heart and your mind as you were actually closing that first ever deal? Oh, let's go back to 2007 when I couldn't even spell mortgage and I was uh, encouraged by my, uh, my landlord, Rhonda White, who's a dear friend and mentor now, uh, and my godmother to to my daughter and uh, she kicked me out of her house to go buy this little house in Wedgwood, Houston, Nashville. And it was, a, it was pretty ghetto at the time and, and she knew something was going on there and, and that was 2007, $78,000 and I was scared to death. My, uh, my mortgage loan guy as a friend of mine had to literally hold my hand as I signed the papers and, and uh, she helped guide me on like what to go do and I actually had two uh, roommates lined up uh, to turn out the other room and it netted out where it was, um, it was actually less than the rent as I was paying her and I owned the house and it was the coolest thing ever going, Oh my gosh, you can actually, you know, I'm, I'm rich now, you know, I've got, I've got a house of house hacking and, and uh, you know, before house hacking was a, was a, was a thing. So scared to death uh, of what that, that, what that did. Yeah. Uh, everyone starts out small, man. Everyone starts out small. I love it. Yeah. I bought a triplex in 2008 and I was living in it. And there wasn't a term for it back then. Yeah. There wasn't a term. You invented it in 2008, and a few years later, Bigger Pocket said, "Hey, I like what <laughs> Billy Brown's doing. We got to talk pre, about this." Yeah, pre-internet, pre-podcast, <laughs> all that. Sure, sure. I, I'm not taking credit for Brandon's stuff there. So, <laughs> Brandon's a good friend. He's a good guy. He's great. Um, so. Let's go here. So that yeah. was your very first ever deal, 78K. Yeah. And recently you did like a triple net lease. Recently you did an yeah. 80, 82, I think, uh, unit apartment community. Yes. That yeah. it must have been a couple of million dollars to buy an apartment community of that size. Is that accurate? That, that's accurate. It was, um, I, I wish I would have the numbers in front of me, but I think about 2.7 million is what our uh, purchase price was insanely low right now per door. 
I think we're all in at 3.2 and it should be valuing somewhere between 3.6, 3.7. We're all said and done. Uh, we're going through stabilization right now. Shocking. I know your listeners are going to be you know, shocked to hear this, but the seller and the listing agent kind of misled us on some stuff. Where, oh, wow. That's we're, weird. I never know. happens. It never happens at all. We're <laughs> went from like 95% down to 80% in about a week because people weren't wow. paying. And yeah, but it's yeah. all good. We, we, we knew that's happened. Uh, Chris Wood and I partnered on that one. It's been, it's been a journey. It's going to be a good, uh, good payoff. It's a lot of headache. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of the go getter and go get stuff, and Chris kind of cleans it up. So Chris has Chris has got the the football right now, cleaning up the and manage the, the the managers and the um, getting everything stabilized and ready. But uh, it, it'll be fun here about a, about a year when you do supplemental. But that was a that was a unicorn because it's eight cap right off the bat, and we should be able to get to about a ten cap uh, here in the next you know twelve to twenty four months. Yeah. That's good. What city is that in again? Man, I can't tell you guys. Like it's my little honey hole, you know. Oh, okay. No, it's Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, yep, yep. I have a couple of friends, Jason Yerusi, um, and what's his name, Todd Dexheimer. They are both looking in Lexington, and I think they both own in Lexington. Good, good area. A lot of people like it. So let me ask you. Um, let me ask you here. And you've already started it just by talking about some of the things that you learned on that, that last one. I learned a lot on my first deal, on my second deal, on my third deal, on my fourth, on my fifth, on my sixth, on my seventh. <laughs> Actually, I learn every time. But what's interesting is the thing that I think I learned on the first six deals was that you, uh, brokers lie. Sellers lie. And it's unfortunate to kind of bundle people in because everyone sells real estate, but it's like when you're selling, you want to make it look as good as possible. And when you're buying, you want to make it look as bad as possible. And so when I'm going up against the seller who, who's like, oh, this is a great asset. And all of a sudden I, I realize that they have 24 cats living in the basement and there's cat feces everywhere and you have to gut the, the drywall and the carpet, you learn a thing or two about due diligence. They were like, oh, that, that tenant, it's, it's fine. It looks just like the one upstairs. So don't worry. <laughs> um, that tenant just, just doesn't want people in their unit. And then we find out that it's a, it's, a, it's a lot different. So what I wanted to get from you is if you could give me at least one thing that you learned on your very first deal in 2007 that you were house hacking that will be valuable to the listener and then teach us one lesson from the first syndication you completed that will have a lesson for the listener and go Ooh man there's a lot of one there so the 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 love 2007 is even though you're scared listen to your mentors take those steps because that house I bought for seventy-eight thousand dollars sold. Not I didn't improve it at all uh, last year for three hundred thousand dollars cash. That's a pretty big deal, and that helped me buy the uh, the triple net office, which we'll talk about that later. On the syndication, this is where it gets it gets fun because if you get out of the me mentality into us mentalities, how can you do this as a team? That's where we all succeed. Uh, I was stuck in the me mentality. How can I do this? How can I do this? And once mm. I figured out, it's not about me. It's about the team. How do I go recruit other people to want the same thing? 
that's when they exploded and found people that are good in areas that I suck at and stay in areas that I'm good at and be able to be great in areas that I'm good at. And then it's, uh, the, the things that I suck at, go you know, find people that are great at them. And that's where I found Chris Wooten. And we just, you know, we're balling on this thing. It's, it's fantastic. So uh, the partnering and to go up in, in asset classes and to be able to learn from others as, as you get bigger, that's the only way to go. Awesome. And after more than a dozen years into this business, more than a dozen years in the real estate business, what would you say your biggest, biggest takeaway altogether is? So uh, let me just re-say what I heard just for the listener. On, on your first deal, you learned that you got to listen to your mentors even if you're scared. Yep. On the first syndication, you learned and this is powerful if, if we internalize this, that it's not a me business, it's a we business. And it, you're not limited to your own, I guess, boundaries. If you bring other people on the team, you can grow. But overall, with, within all you know, dozen plus years that you've been focusing on real estate investing, what's the biggest takeaway that you can give us? Everyone screws up, even great people that are doing great things. You cannot be afraid to mess up. You have to, um, I guess John Maxwell's wondrous book about failing forward. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to have the faith that you have the resources, not only internally, but also in your team to make those mistakes right as you're going forward. If you don't, you're always going to be sitting back and the world's going to pass you, investing's going to pass you, and you have to take those risks. Hence, investing with a reward, you've got to invest your time wisely as well as your team's time wisely as your money wisely to get those returns. And uh, those risks are mitigated by your returns. So you got so to weigh those things out. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Um, so if we make a mistake, if we're jumping into real estate, we are afraid. We're saying, holy cow, this is a big world. I want to do it, but so much could go wrong. And, but Billy Brown, he said that it's okay to fail. Everybody fails. Adam Adams says that he fails. Billy Brown says that he fails. There's a book out there from Maxwell that says to fail forward. It's okay. But I get in and, and like I make my first big mistake. Then what do I do? That's why you have mentors. That's why I have you. That's why I have the, you know, you, you've got to surround yourself with people that are, that are doing what you want to go do and rely on them. Um, and just be transparent with them going, hey, this is what I want to do. And also your, your first big deal, even some of your small deals, you need to partner with people. Don't go, go, go Han Solo on them. You know, you got to go do it as a team. And with the team collectively, you can do, you can mitigate a lot more risk you can on your own because you don't know everything. No one knows everything. Us, you and me, if we had a deal, we know probably still 85, 90% of what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know if that's true. To be honest with you, there is so many random things that can happen. And it's funny, the longer we're in it, the more we realize that this is a big world. Like I, I, you know, you and I started around the same time and and I've done a lot of transactions. So if you, I'll I'll be honest, like we're, we're closing a deal right now and I can't, I couldn't tell you how many things I learned on, on this deal. You know, one, it's just so interesting how, how there's, it's a vast uh, subject, but I love your, the thoughts that you have around mentors, mm-hmm. hiring mentors, uh, 
aligning with mentors, having somebody who's been there before, and you've brought it up so many times, why is that important to have mentors? Like, I, I get that you feel it's important, but if the listener's hearing this and they're still saying to themselves, yeah, but I could do it without a mentor, um, you know, what, what would be your thoughts to them? Oh, you can't do it without, without a mentor, but it's going to be very painful. Um, I'd rather be, I don't know, lazy. I love to draft from people. I love to know, like, the experience of people that have screwed up big time so I don't make those same mistakes or at least make smaller mistakes in that same realm where it's not as painful. And I don't like pain. I don't know if many people love pain, but especially when it comes to real estate transactions, you want to be as smooth as possible. I don't like screw-ups. Now, the fun thing about real estate is there's always things that are going to happen. It's real estate. There's people involved. There's, I don't know how many, hundreds of people between the loan side and the, and the seller side, the buyer side, all that going on. They're involved in your transaction to make sure it goes smoothly. It never goes smoothly. You've got to drop that. But you've got to have people that are on your team that can help, help navigate those rough waters. And when it gets really, really bad, they can help get you out of the stuff that's going to crash you to the rocks. And again, there's another podcast I did with a local guy. So the, the lender's your friend. You got to rely on your lender and hide behind the lender in a lot of these things because they know a lot more than you do because they're putting up sometimes 80, 90% of the money and they have a, they have a stake in this game too. So the lender and all their resources, millions and millions of dollars resources is a great partner for you to be able to rely upon as well as other mentors. Um, you know, hiring a mentor, hiring a mentor, it's not hiring, you're investing. And if you're not investing, you need to have a return. And there's always a return. It's usually between the knowledge as well as the network, it's infinite. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 I mean, you see it in, in your coaching and what you being coached as well as coaching others. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's a money is a barrier and it's a step. It's like money's nothing nowadays. You know, money's out there. Money's not even a thing. It's just a, it's just paper and it's a thought process. And once you understand that, it's just a barrier. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to exchange what I've done here to go invest in another relationship that's going to help me grow faster and help mm-hmm. avoid a lot of mistakes. So uh, it's not hiring a mentor, like a, like a personal trainer, uh, which those are good too, but you know, it's your coach. I mean, your, your coach can help you uh, really get a return on your investment. It's going to be infinite. When, when I'm looking for mentors and I always, I always have at least two mentors, at least for the last couple of years, I've always had two to four mentors at a time. Uh, I don't suggest that to everybody, but um, I, there's there, once you get to a level of your business, there's things in the business, like little pieces that, that need help. Like I'm writing a couple of books and I know I can write a book. Like I could write a book it would, it's going to suck. It's going to take time for sure. But with uh, some of these book mentors that we can ensure that it becomes in, in a, in the best selling categories, we can ensure that there's parts into the book that lead to the end result to benefit not only the reader, but also the writer, Mm -hmm. the author. And so it's it's amazing how just somebody who's written a lot of different books and been able to grow their business from it, it's like I could either write a book or I could write a book that does something for me. I could either have a podcast or – so I coach and mentor people how to do podcasts. This podcast is a top 1% podcast. Everyone that I've worked with gets a top 1% podcast. And, and I – 
I'm uh, very, very, very passionate about don't waste your time starting a random podcast that is the same as 99% of the ones out there. Do like make sure that it's, it, it's going to work for your business. And because if you can get in the top 1%, then iTunes puts you in front of more people. You don't have to do the work anymore. You've hacked into the algorithms and that change from the 99 percentile to get just to the one percentile isn't that hard. It costs a little bit of money or you're investing in a mentor, but if you do it, your business explodes. You make a ton more money, way more than the amount invested. Um, and same thing with a real estate mentor. Uh, so how did you find, you have a few mentors. I know one of them is Kyle. Uh, Kyle's an amazing man. Uh, such a genuine human being, Kyle Wilson. I have a few friends that work with him as well. And I've been thinking about it. I just, I don't even care uh, if I need anything that he teaches. I just want to be around that guy. I know. (laughs) Billy, how do you find a mentor? Like what is, what is the process? Because there's people like, let's just say in the multifamily realm, there's, uh, there's probably eight or 10 or 12 mentors out there (laughs) that, that are big. That you have heard of, that you probably listen to their podcasts, and all of them probably have a mentorship that's around thirty, forty, fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And um, in fact, that's the exact range. They're either thirty, thirty-five, forty, yeah. or fifty yeah. uh, from the the twelve that I can think of right now. And someone has decided that they want to select one of these multifamily mm-hmm. mentors. What what would be the even the process of 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 knowing which one is best for them? Oh wow, um, that's a whole podcast itself, right there. Okay, okay. Um, I, I mean, for for us, when we were searching. Um, you know, we, my wife and I, want to do it together. So that was the thing. Like, what's the you know what's the the investment for you know one or both of us? What's that look like? You know, is there a you know is there a support for the couple? Sometimes she's not as participatory as I am because I'm out there quite a bit. Um, she's more behind the scenes and, and makes sure that uh, the, the, uh, the train stays on the, on the track um, with the accounting and all that. Uh, but yeah, the I mean, questions to ask, I mean, what do you want out of it? Where's your location? Um, you know, are you, if you're on the East coast, are you going to fly to Denver to go see you? Or are you going to go fly to LA to go with whoever that is out there? Uh, location is good. Where are you going to invest? You know, is that, um, is that uh, gurus? <laughs> is that guru uh, just like specific to Dallas, to Albuquerque, to Omaha? Mm. You know, are they nationwide? Uh, how long have they been investing? Did they get lucky in two thousand nine? Just happened to buy something that kicked them off, and all of a sudden they're you know they just got lucky, or is they actually fundamental? Like they have this history of success, and then they have a system of success that can help you help you out. For us, we weren't necessarily going to be stuck. Not say stuck. We're not focused on multifamily. Because as an investor, I'm an opportunist. I love different opportunities. I, I don't know what it's called, you know, ADD, but I love like the shiny stuff over here. Like, oh, I've got self-storage over here. I got a triple net office. I've got uh, medical. I've got, um, I got another one involving golf that's coming up. It's, uh, it's like quasi syndication. I can't tell you about because it it's uh, hush hush. But uh, like fun stuff like that. Like what, what can we go do that's a little bit different? Because there's so many people driving in the, the multifamily space. You know, sellers are figuring out there's, People with stupid money out there, they want to go buy, you know, international money. They go, we don't care what the cap rate is. 
we just want to go buy something in America because our dollar is going down 10% per year. So if it's zero, we're making 10%. Great. Mm. I can't compete against that. I got to invest on fundamentals. So those are some great questions that to ask the ask yourself. And then, you know, how much time you can commit? Because you can go write a check, but you know, what's the return for that that teacher? Are they going to have a program for you? Like, hey, is it outlined or is it self-study? What other people can you connect with? Um, are they going to be open to you talking to people in other groups? Um, you know, I was talking to, to Chris Wooten. Uh, you know, he's a Rod Khalif's group. Um, I think you are too. But it's like, you know, do we have to be in the same group to do this? Or is it okay to go you know, have different mentors? Like, well, it makes sense to go have different mentors because you can collaborate. There's always great insights and great wisdom from, from many teachers. You're always going to be able to pull stuff out. So you, get, you go learn, come back, and collaborate. And that's, uh, that's how you grow faster. So hopefully that helped out there. But, yeah, all good stuff. Yeah. And, and thanks for doing that on the spot. We've already gone longer than I normally go on the podcast, which is awesome. I just have a lot of cool questions for you, and you're, you're, yeah. you're solid. You've been doing this for so long. It's fun, yeah. to, fun, fun to pick your brain. Thank you. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, but that – 1031 to triple net lease that we're talking about. We're going to get right into that as soon as we get back. Hey, it's Adam Adams. And I want to take a second to say thank you to one of our sponsors. Now, if you've tried to earn a full-time income flipping houses, the traditional way, you know, it takes a lot of money putting 10 or 20% down on each house adds up fast. Plus you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars if you get caught holding a few houses when the market crashes. Well, what if I told you that there was a better way to flip houses, a way that didn't require much upfront capital, a way that made it easy to find more fix and flip deals than you could even handle. And best of all, a way that insulated you from losing all your money in a market crash. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a simple way to quit your job and flip houses full time. It's called fix and list deal. Eric Young used the strategy to quit his job, double his income, and become a self-made house flipper in less than a year. Eric's a real estate investor located in Denver, and he's perfected the fix and list strategy over the last four years, and he's got a free giveaway. Learn how you can implement the fix and list strategy by watching Eric's free video lessons at fixandlistsecrets.com. It may just change your life. Mr. Billy Brown, I love your name, Billy Brown, by the way. Thank you. Mr. Billy Brown, what's the most creative deal you've ever done? Oh, the, the triplex we did it here in Nashville. Uh, it's actually for sale right now, but it's, uh, we got owner financing on it. It was a non-conforming triplex in the most popular zip code in Nashville. It's very high, high net worth. And uh, we got owner financing on it 90 days before my first payment. And I rented it out in a week to a corporate group, unfurnished. I barely saw it for five grand a month. Owner financing, 4%, 30-year AM, and I've got three more years left on that, on that note, and uh, it was fantastic. Um, we, got a little, we had to do a little work on it, but bought it at a good price. Uh, this is 4% interest rate two and a half years ago. Uh, it was great, and then, you know, three months before we, uh, we had our first payment, so that was great. Oh, well, as a lender, this is funny. I love owner financing. That's the best part because I can always throw, throw the lenders on the bus like, man, those lenders suck. You know, this is between you and me, and I'll refinance it later. Like, I, it's, you know, let's leave those lenders out for as long as we can. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I was hoping that we were going to talk about that 1031 to triple net lease yeah. for your most creative deal. Can we still talk about it? Absolutely. Yeah. It was, um, so I sold the first house that, that, that I got talked into scarily to buy uh, in Wedgwood, Houston area of Nashville, near the fairgrounds, Major League Soccer Stadium. So sold it, took the net gains. We're actually looking for something in my wife's hometown. 
cash flow, tax write-offs, something small, short-term rental, whatever. And then LoopNet popped this thing up. You know, it was an eight-year triple net lease, 2% increases. Uh, national corporate tenant. I knew the location. I knew the property. It's in the heart of the downtown. And I jumped on it. It was like, I knew what to do with this thing. And we just popped into it. But it's, uh, it's, we bought it almost at a 10 cap year one. It's a 10 cap now. And the, the returns are cra crazy. Uh, we had a funny thing. We actually had lending line up. Had a little issue with the environmental too. So the sellers actually did a seller's note for us for 18 months that uh, matched the matched the bank terms. So I actually got a little more time before I could refinance that thing. But uh, it's I mean the returns are just silly. I mean corporate tenant. I mean we're talking like mailbox money here and you know I can't tell you the raise returns because you'd be it's ridiculous. So <laughs> it's, it's, the it's not unbelievable. So <laughs> the environmental too that's like a phase two meaning yeah. that there's something in the soil. There's something in the soil is um, this thing is built in the 1800s and there's a um, uh, oil pipeline from the Sheboygan River and mm. Lake Michigan that went uphill and they found a little bit of petroleum. Now, I'm from Oklahoma. If I if I do a P test right now, I hope you say P test on 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 the podcast. If you do P test on me, like there's going to be oil everywhere in any Oklahoma person. So that didn't scare me off. But the lenders like. Oh, now there's uh, 16 parts per billion of this thing, and that can be contaminated. So we got to make sure the DNR knows about this thing. I'm like, it's a third floor condo. Why? And uh, so they backed off it. So we leveraged that for the uh, for the sellers. Uh, say, hey, it's just owner financing. Clear this thing up, and then we'll refinance it later down the road. So it's good. Interesting. Out. Yeah. Got it. Got it. All right. So the next question I have is just a book that you recommend for the listener. Brand new listeners, you got to go rich dad poor dad. That's a fantastic one. Um, the, the heart and soul of, of, of what's, um, it's not even a real estate book. It's, it's a philosophy on money. Uh, that's, that's a really good one on it. Um, and the one that was actually the, let's see, the most impactful, had like two or three really impactful nuggets. You got to read through it. Similar to Teresa Fordad is the debt millionaire. And that got my mind really changed around debt um, as our, as a currency, as our currency is based on debt. And what you get your mind around that is like, why am I earning income? Because debt is where money is at. It's also not taxed. And you put those two together as a real estate investor, you can, you can launch yourselves. And you're, you are a lender. Yep. How long have you been a lender? I have been, a, I was in residential lending since 2009. Took a little bit of a break in 2014 and then 2017 jumped back in it, focused on real estate investors and then commercial lenders since, uh, what year is 2020? So 2017. Make okay. commercial lending. Um, Got started it. Started my own, started my own uh, brokerage in October last year. So, um, so there was a little gap there. Where were you five years ago from today? Where were you? Oh, I was doing some fun stuff. So I was getting out of residential lending because you know how much fun that was in, in uh, 2014. The uh, the laws of Frank Dodd when they passed 20,000 pages of legislation that says to be written. So your lenders are like, I don't know. Today this works, tomorrow does it. It changed every 15 minutes, and it literally did. Mm. Uh, so I got out of it. Couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. So I got out, and I was working on an app uh, for real estate investors. Um, and actually, the funny thing, the ironic thing is um, I worked on it for two years for free, and I was relying on a business partner that's kind of the face of this thing and had the, had the network, and he had the, he had the pitch. And I'm a great guy. I'm not going to throw him on the bus. He's a great guy. 
but I asked them to go raise $25,000 to go get a proof of concept. Well, I had a proof of concept, but a more of a better app to get some going. And he said, no, and I couldn't raise $25,000. And, you know, fast forward, you know, now, I, I mean, quarter million, a million dollars in a day is not, is not unheard of. That's not, that's not hard. It was the right deal. <laughs> but, yeah. but something like that was like, oh my gosh, we just started for two and a half years because I worked in this thing and I can't get, you know, whatever. But it's just, it was a mindset. Yeah. It was, it, I learned a lot. I learned quite a bit there. Yeah. That's cool. Thank you for going into that. That's really, really cool. Um, so where do you see yourself? I know you're growing, you're, yeah. you're, you're doing well, you have mentors. So what's your vision looking like five years from today? Uh, a growing but small commercial brokerage. Uh, our, our group here, we only work with 20 to 25 clients at a time to make sure we get the concierge uh, um, business now. We work 20 to 25 hours a, a week so we can go, my processor as well as me like to invest. So we want to have plenty of time to go invest plenty of time to give back to our family. So we're not overworked. Uh, we, we work to invest, not to work just to work. So grow that thing, uh, stabilize it. We've got, I've got a golf syndication I'm working on. I'd love to tell you about it, but I can't right now. It's uh, in the very early stages. Hopefully we can come back on and tell you about this, uh, this, this concept I've been working on for 40 years. And uh, we're getting really close to, to put this thing in the, in the paper. But uh, I mean, we, I mean, 50 at the time. I mean, I love to be more laid back, um, they work five or 10 hours a week, be my investing, play a lot of golf. You know, I love competitive golf and I love to get back out there and play. Yeah, I love that. I got that quote down. We work to invest, not work to work. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. That's actually what I've been doing, but I've never heard it put that way. So thank you. Mr. Billy Brown, how do you give back? Uh, my newsletter. Um, each week, each Monday morning, I write an uh, article from the point of view of an investor peeling back the onion of commercial lending. I, I, when I got into commercial lending, or actually as an investor, it was very like, oh, well, we'll do whatever deal makes sense. And this, and you get into it, it's like, what did, why did you say no to this? Like, wouldn't you want to teach your clients how to work with you? But that's not the mentality. So I started this uh, newsletter probably three and a half, four years ago. It just grown organically, a couple thousand people, and it continues to grow, you know, you know about 100 people a month peeling about the onions, like, well, how do I get lending on a self-storage building? How do I get lending on a vacant multifamily? How do I get lending on and just peel that back as far as how a lender looks at it so I can teach my clients how to look at a project through the eyes of a lender before they even put an offer on it. And that's how I get back. So it's a, it's free, you know, if you want to use me, great for lending. That's fantastic. But, you know, at least you have ammunition to go talk in a, a um, you know, have a great conversation with your own lender and see, make, make sure it, uh, that project works for you. That's really cool. And I have a lot of commercial investors on the podcast. So having a good connection with a good commercial lender is always, always a good thing. So how do they find that, um, that your blog? Just, uh, just shoot me an email, uh, billy at billybrown.me. I don't publish it. That's just uh, people email me. Hey, put me on the newsletter and I'll, I'll add them. They don't want to be on there. Unsubscribe. I can hurt my feelings. So just want to awesome. Back. All right. So what is the best way for the listener to find you or get a hold of you? Uh, there's going to be a whole bunch of questions about Billy. What do you do? What about your story? The best place is my website. Real simple. Billybrown.me. M-E. Has it all right there. FAQs about the business, my story, what I lend on, contact information. Everything is right there. Awesome. Okay. So billybrown.me, that's where you learn all about Billy Brown. 
And if you want to reach out to him and get on that list, then you'll just email him at billy at billybrown.me. Real simple. Awesome. It was so good to have you on the show. Thanks for spending so much extra time with us. I, I really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. It's an honor to have you as a listener. And I just wanted to say thank you. I also wanted to thank our sponsor, FixingListSecrets.com, where they have that free video lesson. In that video lesson, you're going to learn never to struggle again to find or fund your next fix and flip deal. You're going to learn how to flip houses without taking out a mortgage. So now you can flip houses as your full-time income and not lose any money in a market crash. There's a simple way to flip houses full-time, and that is to visit FixingListSecrets.com.